I titled this morning's message, Choose Which Way. And as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we have uh, really seen that there are really four major divisions in the three chapters that we're covering called the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, verse 1 to 16, Jesus speaks of our Christian character in our witness. It's what we should be as Christians, how we uh, should live and act as changed people, as new creations in Christ, and how our witness to this world, how important our witness is, that we're salt and light to this world. In chapter 5, verse 17, the next uh, division in this, uh, this sermon, Jesus tells us that he has a standard of righteousness that is not man's standard. This is God's standard of righteousness, which always exceeds man's standard. And Jesus went through and he made that very clear that his standard was not man's standard. We remember we read in in chapter 5, verse 20, where Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. It needs to exceed that. That That was huge for somebody even to comprehend that as they looked at the scribes and the Pharisees and they they recognized how religious they were. In their minds, it's like, who could exceed that? In chapter 6, verses, uh, starting in verse 1 to chapter 7, verse 12, that was the third section in this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks about our personal righteousness. He, he talked to us about prayer and fasting and not doing those things to be seen of men. Uh, he got into areas that this is how we should. This is now that what we've learned what a Christian is, this is what we should do with it. This is how we should live. We finished a couple weeks ago in verse 12. It's called the golden rule. And we just covered that one, one verse there. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And really, I believe Jesus in verse 12 was pointing us all the way back into chapter 5 and and really summing it up and really ending this sermon, the content of this sermon really finished up in verse 12. But Jesus had more to say. And Jesus was going to now uh, come to this fourth and final section from chapter, uh, from, excuse me, in chapter 7, verse 13 to 29. We might call this the conclusion of the sermon. In our text this morning, uh, we're going to be just covering verses 13 and 14. Uh, Look in your Bibles. let's, Let's read it together. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, or the old King James reads, enter by the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it. Pretty um, straightforward wording. Right to the point. In this final section, we're going to see Jesus speaking about urgency. He's also going to caution us. He's also going to give us a warning, and then he's going to end it with a final exhortation. First, we see in verse 13 and 14, our text this morning, Jesus speaking about an urgency. He says, enter the narrow gate. In verse 15, he gives us a caution. He says, beware of false prophets. And then in verse 16, he says, and you will know them by their fruits. In verse 21, he gives us a warning about people that would make false confessions. He says to them, I never knew you. And then in verse 24, we're going to see that final exhortation where Jesus exhorts us to build on the rock. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is how Jesus completes this Sermon on the Mount. Some of the most important probably of all of Jesus' teaching were in these three chapters for us as Christians. These are the kingdom rules. It's how we should live. But we went through all of this to get to this point at the very end where Jesus says we need to do it. You see, it's one thing to hear doctrine. It's one thing to to go through the Sermon on the Mount and think that this is just a very flowery kind of sermon and message. And it's another thing to live it. It's another thing to do what Jesus is asking us to do. And then we also need to be dependent upon God's Holy Spirit. We cannot live these things out apart from Him. It's impossible. You wouldn't be able to do it without your complete dependence upon him and his Holy Spirit to do it in you. Jesus never taught in Scripture universalism. Universalism is a doctrine, you could say, or a teaching that's out there that all people someday are going to be saved. There's actually people that believe that. That all the religions of the world and all the various things, we're all going to converge someday into the hands of a loving God. This whole idea of a hell, this whole idea of wrath, it's not really what it's saying. But that is what it says. Jesus tells us in verses 13 and 14 that there are only two destinations for mankind. One ends in destruction, and the other ends in life. Only two. There is no universalism. There's one of two places that people will have their final destination. Jesus made that very clear. It's all the way through God's word. But we also see... And we'll be looking at these next week in verses 15 and 20. 
that there's also two kinds of fruit in a person's life. Jesus said there's good fruit, and then there's also bad fruit. He also says in verse 21 to 23 that there are two kinds of professions. There is a true profession of faith and a false profession of faith. There are some that say they are, but they're really not. In verses 24 to 29, Jesus said that there are two kinds of foundations, one that is on a rock and the other one that is built upon sand. And that's how Jesus finishes up this Sermon on the Mount. The uh, words that we read in this last section are very black and white. They're, they're, They're not hard to even really interpret. They're very clear and to the point. Jesus says in other portions of Scripture, he says that you are either for me or you are against me. Very black and white. He says, you either know Christ or you don't know him. Black and white. That's how God's word is. I'm glad it's like that. You either know him or you don't. You either are right or you are wrong. Whatever you do is either evil or it's good. People are either going to heaven or they're going to hell. We are either a saint or we're a sinner. You're either godly or you're ungodly. There's only one of two places. He doesn't leave room. Jesus doesn't leave any room for people to wiggle into the middle of it and say they have another way that they're going to get to, another way they're going to crawl in, another way that they're going to do it. Jesus makes it very clear. I think that one of the most important questions that a person can answer in this life is where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to end up? When when you stand before God someday, there's really only going to be one question. What did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with, the, with what he offered to you on the cross? Did you reject it? Did you receive it? Did you believe it or disbelieve it? It's that big question. What's going to happen when we all die? Someday we all will. Someday we will all stand before the Lord. I think it is the biggest question that any person could ever ask. What's going to happen after this life? Where am I going to end up? Where am I going to be? And, and it's a choice that you make. It's not a choice that somebody can make for you. You see, we all stand individual as an individual before God. There won't anybody be able to stand there at your side and plead your case. They were a good person. Lord, you, you owe it to them. No, we all stand before God individually. Think about it. We all came into this world destined to die. Everyone, I don't think I would have to convince anyone of that here. 
We, I, I don't know of anyone that has lived on forever except Jesus Christ. There's no human being that has been birthed into this world that is not destined to die. We're surrounded by death just by the fact that we're all here in this same room. We're all dying. In Hebrews 9.27 we read that it's appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. And there will be no escaping. No one will be able to escape the judgment of God. The only way we escape is if we receive the free gift of eternal life. In James 4.14, we read, You do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. When you think of your life in those terms, living until we're, you know, 70, 80, uh, and then we got Woody here that's just pushing the, pushing the boundaries here but just, and just keeps going. But, you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you live that long and you think, you know what, my life is just like a vapor. It's like that fog. They say that a one cubic square mile of fog, that it only takes a tablespoon of water to create that. When that sun hits that vapor that is creating this fog, it's gone. That's how the Lord likens our life, to like vapor, to like fog. It's here for a moment, and then it's gone. Pretty sobering, isn't it? In Psalm 90, verse 10, the psalmist wrote, The days of our lives are 70 years. And if a person of strength, they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. There's no escaping death for any one of us. Uh, I mean, 70, 80 We're feeling like we're doing good. (laughs) Jesus says in verse 13 that there are only two possible roads that we can walk. Two roads to go on. But there are many in the world and many people that have said that all roads lead to God. All religions lead. And all roads lead to God. Did you know something? They're true in that statement. That all roads do lead to God. Uh, The only difference is that there's only one road that leads to eternal life. Every knee is going to bow someday. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every religion in this world and every human being that has ever been birthed into this world is going to go down a road that is going to lead to God. And they'll stand before God. And that question will be asked. What did you do with my son? Did you receive it? Did you reject it? Look in your Bibles at verse 13 and 14 of chapter 7. Jesus says, 
enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it the first thing that we see when we uh, look at verse 13 there is this word enter This word enter means to go or to come into. The actual tense of the word conveys a sense of urgency. And so I want you to think of this, all of what Jesus has said in this Sermon on the Mount. And then he comes to this verse 13 and he says, enter in. He says, enter in and he gives it an urgency. For those that were hearing, the disciples that were there that day, listening to the Lord preach this sermon, all those that were on the outskirts that were listening also heard these words to enter. Leading up to this chapter, Jesus gave us the kingdom rules. He set a standard for righteousness that exceeded those of the scribes and the Pharisees. He described our character and our conduct. He laid down principles in detail for us to follow as Christians. He dealt with our attitudes and our motives of our heart. And then we come to verse 13. We come to the end of his teaching, where in a sense he's asking the question, what are you going to do with what I just taught you. What are you going to do with all this? With everything that I just taught you, what are you going to do with it? How he does this is by giving us a picture of two gates. There's two gates that confront us this morning. There's that narrow gate and there's or that narrow gate and there's that broad gate. There's that narrow path and there's that broad path that that goes out of that gate. We're confronted with that question as believers. The narrow gate and the broad gate. The narrow gate is very narrow. And And it actually only allows for one person to go through at a time. Only one. It's, it's just narrow enough that only one can enter in at a time. And when you go through that narrow gate, it's a narrow path that follows on after it. The other gate is wide. It's the broad gate. It's wide enough that there could be masses of people that are standing out in front of it and just funneling through this broad gate. It's the crowds, it's the people that are entering through it that Jesus is warning his disciples about. There is a narrow gate and a narrow road and there is a broad gate and a broad path that people get on. As Christians, we first enter in by this narrow gate when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. We enter in through that narrow gate. 
Jesus himself said in John 10, 7, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. We could say that Jesus is the, is the gate to the sheepfold. Jesus is that gate. He is that door. He is the one by which we enter in and cross into this path. But that path continues on doesn't it? Entering through the door gives us eternal life because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But there's also a path that we are on as believers. After we enter the gate, we come to a path or a way that Jesus says is narrow and it's difficult. A narrow path and a difficult path. Just think of that, you know, walking on that narrow path that has no room for air. All of the obstacles of life, there's no room on that path for you to keep those things. Jesus says, if you enter in on that path, it's going to be difficult. And no one ever said that the life of a Christian would be an easy walk or an easy path. But that path is narrow that we walk on. The tendency of our flesh is to want to go for the broad road. It's easier to work within that. But Jesus says, if you follow after me and you follow these sayings of mine and all that I've told you in these chapters, then you'll be on this narrow path. And it won't be easy. It'll be difficult at times. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. It's not the comfortable path. We, we, by nature, we like to be comfortable. But this is not the comfortable path. It's also not the popular path. It's, you know, being, in the, being popular and being in that, you know, it's not the popular path. As a matter of fact, if you make a stand for Jesus Christ, quite often you will be unpopular with people around you. That includes family. That includes co-workers. Uh, that includes just people you're around. If you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you'll probably be very unpopular at times. People will quite often mock you if you stay on this narrow path. They're going to mock you for traveling on it. Why? Because you're narrow-minded. You're on a narrow path, but you're narrow-minded in all of your thinking. People view us quite often as Christians as being very narrow-minded people. You're very narrow-minded. They'll persecute you for being narrow-minded. They'll call you a bigot. That's a big word going around right now. They'll call you a bigot. A bigot is a person who is utterly intolerant of any differing creed, belief, or opinion. You're a bigot. 
because you hold to these certain values and these things as as believers and the world sits back and they hate you for that. You're narrow-minded. You're being a bigot. The narrow way, though, is also hard and it's restrictive. It carries the idea of being distressed and difficult, the path that we're on. Do you ever find that as a believer? You're on this path. You have this joy in the Lord. You know you've been saved. You know where you're going. But the path that you're on is difficult and at times very stressful. The narrow way is also the opposite of the broad way. It's a contrast. Narrow is opposite of broad. This word narrow comes from a root word which means to groan as from being under pressure. It's used figuratively to represent a restriction or a constriction. That's how we are when we are on this narrow path. We have this sense of being restricted. The narrow way requires you to leave things behind. You know, when you walk through that narrow gate, there's things of your past that you needed to leave behind. And as a matter of fact, if you try to uh, drag them through the gate and take them with you on that narrow path, it's not going to work so well. Because the path is narrow and there's no room on that narrow path for obstacles. There's lots of things that want to drag us down. But if you're on that narrow path, then there's not a lot of leg room. There's not room to keep those obstacles on the path with you. When you enter in through this narrow gate, we need to leave behind worldliness. And that's really what Jesus is is telling his disciples. There's things that will have to be left behind to enter in by the narrow gate. We might have to leave behind the crowd. Those people that we once hung with that no longer are a benefit or good for us to hang with because they drag us down. And we've at times had to leave even people in the crowd behind to go through that narrow gate. We also have to give up rights to go through this narrow gate onto this path. There's rights that we have to give up. The other gate is broad. The broad way is it's wide. And we're told that there are many who will travel on it. Many. Many people will travel on this broad road. The gate is wide also. But the path that follows out of that gate is also broad. It continues on also for those who choose to go through the broad gate. 
the broad gate is one that speaks of being comfortable. Like I say, it's what our flesh wants to do to take that route, the comfortable route in life, the popular path. And so many people will refuse to turn their lives to Jesus Christ because, you know what, if I do that, it's not very popular. But those that go through the broad gate... They like popularity. They like what comes along with that. It's not going with the flow. Have you ever been in a whole group of people? A mass amount of people, and as they're moving forward, you can't help but move forward with them. They're just kind of pushing you along. And there are many people in this world today that are just kind of stuck there in the crowd. And as the crowd makes their way through the broad gate, they have no other choice than just to be shuffled through it with the rest of them. There's no sacrifice required to be on the broad road. No sacrifice. We have brothers and sisters all over this world as we speak that are suffering for Jesus Christ. They're on that narrow road. They chose to be on it. And because of their choice to be on it, they are suffering for the things of Christ. But that broad road, there's no sacrifice that you'll find on it. There's plenty of room for possessions on the broad road, possessions that we hold so dear. Those possessions become obstacles on this, on this path. They, they, they get in our way, don't they? There's no persecution or people speaking evil against you on the broad road, on the broad path. But you will have it. If you live out your walk on that narrow path, know this, they will speak evil against you. They will persecute you. And you won't be labeled as a religious fanatic. If you just stick to the broad road, you won't be a bigot. You won't be an intolerant Christian amongst people if you stay on the broad road. But Jesus says we have a choice. As believers, he put this choice before his disciples on that day. There's a narrow road and there's a broad road, and it's a choice that we must all make. This whole issue that has come up in the court recently over same sex marriage is labeling each and every one of you that profess to know Jesus Christ as a bigot You're, you, you just are stuck in your, your moral ways and you know and, and that's how the church is more and more being seen you're intolerant so what do we do with that as believers how, how should we respond to those kinds of things well 
Jesus would want us to stay on the narrow path. To not compromise, to not give in to the ways that the world is calling the church. Do you know how much of the church today is starting to bend under that compromise? The church is bending. Christians are bending to the, uh, the things that are being said against them. The persecution. They don't like being labeled as a bigot or intolerant. And so even much of the church is finding those little places where they can compromise our values, compromise the things that God has laid for us clearly in Scripture. And they're saying, well, it's all right. You know what? They're, they're misreading this. They're interpreting this, this Scripture wrong. I think that we can have, you know, the same, you know, I don't see a problem with it. The sad part is, is that there is a lot of the church today that are bending to this. And the choice that we have before us is what road are you going to remain on? What path are you going to stay on?